I Love Mortgage Broking, episode 24. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Louisa Huff is a mortgage broker with Ziva Mortgage. She's been a broker for 10 years and is based out of South Surrey. South Surrey. She's the number 44 mortgage broker in CMP Magazine's Top 75, and she's a partner with Ziva Mortgage. I am stoked about this interview today. Louisa, are you ready to rock? Yes, I'm ready to rock. Awesome. So I always like to start off and just if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Um, okay. I, uh, I'm married with two children. Uh, I've been in the business since November of 2004. Uh, previous to that, I was a conveyancer for a law firm for over 12 years, which uh, provided me invaluable experience and connections in the mortgage industry. I got into the mortgage business through my connections from being a conveyancer. The people I'd worked with encouraged me to take the leap into mortgages, uh, given the knowledge and experience in the real estate side of things. And when I took that leap, um, it was the best thing I ever did. So as a conveyancer, obviously you're a salaried employee, you've got, maybe you have benefits if you're at a big firm and then you're going to jump to straight commission. So how did that, how did that feel? That was um, what stopped me. There was a, a couple of friends of mine that um, were in the business uh, who just left their employers and went into the business. And for two years, they kept asking me to do it. And I just was afraid to take that leap. I had just had a baby. And I'm like, what am I doing going, you know, giving up, like you just said, a salary benefits. But I just, you know, loved loved the thought of going on my own and being able to control uh, the time I spent, the money I made. Um, and you know what? It was the best thing I ever did. So if you, you remember like back that. in your first year, did you uh, match your, your conveyancing salary or where, where did you sort of fall in that first 12 months? My first year, I actually exceeded my conveyancing salary. Nice. That's it awesome. Not everybody has that experience. Not, I know. I know it was. And it was just my first few months. I'm going to tell you, I um, worked really, really hard and I found a couple of great people that uh, helped me um, in the real estate world and um, I was able to to make it all work. I was able to get started and then from there it just snowballed. I had lots of family who was there to support me and provide me referrals and you know being Italian it was uh, I have a very big family that was willing to to support me so it was it was it was really it was really exciting and it was really great. And because you came from sort of a real estate background, you probably it was easier to build that trust because they would have said, well, we know you sort of have an understanding of this stuff. That's right. I knew both sides of it. I knew how to how to get there and I knew how to finish the mortgage. So it was it was really good. Hmm, that's awesome. So before we dive yeah. into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote. And I love quotes because they distill an idea down into a really just a short sentence and you can take it with you. It's, it's like a portable. And uh, right. so can, can you share a quote that's impacted you? Yes, it's please don't keep me a secret. It was a quote that I heard from a speaker at camp, well, symbol back then in 2004. Um, And this quote changed my thought process and how I was going to approach my business. It was just that, please don't keep me a secret. Why should I be a secret to anybody? So I put that pretty much on everything. I said it in my voicemail. I said it in my letters. I said it in my emails. Don't keep me a secret. Tell everybody about me. And so how long ago was that that you that you found came across this quote? 2004. And is your business like basically all referral? Most of my business is all referral, yeah. Basically all referral. 
Right. I think it's you and uh, Bernadette both have a like a fantastic voicemail. When I called and I, I left a message, yeah. I'm like seriously, yes, the, it's like marketing in your voicemail. I was just, I'm, I, it's awesome. Yes, it's the Joe Stump, the Joe Stump quote or the Joe Stump voicemail. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, I, th- I think obviously it works and it reminds you because sometimes people, even if they like you, if they're employees, sometimes they just forget that our business is built on referrals. And so if you don't ask, they just forget. They go, oh, she's fantastic. That's I would right. use her. But then and then they, they don't really they don't think like, you know, self-employed people think. That's right. That's exactly right. You're exactly right. Right. And so this quote, this please don't keep me a secret. So you've got it on your voicemail. You've got it on your email. How is there anywhere else that you've applied it? I uh, just on any, I, I haven't, I'm not in the social media as of yet. I, um, I'm one of the late bloomers, so that will be on that as well, but it's on anything that I have. Uh, I used to have it on my business card, but we did, I did remove that off of there, but it's on everything else. Okay. Awesome. And so another area that I find uh, for me anyway has been failure. I know that as a mortgage broker and business owner, there's times I've failed at things. And looking back, there's always a lesson if I take the time to look back. And so can you share an example of something that you failed at? And then when you look back at it, the lesson that you learned? Yeah, that's a tough one. That that is one. The one thing that um, I realized when I got into this business, I thought that because of the connections that I had with my previous employment, um, I thought that I would not have to work hard in getting the business and that it would just come in. I dealt with as a conveyancer, as as you know, you know, with realtors and banks and, you know, so many people. I, I did not realize that I had to actually go out there and get the deals and build new and stronger relationships. I had to reestablish the trust and the confidence with people that I already knew. They knew me as a conveyancer. They didn't know me as a mortgage broker. So when I made that transition, it was, uh, it was, it was really hard. It was really hard um, reestablishing the trust because they didn't trust me as a mortgage broker. They trusted me as a conveyancer, which even though it's, you know, similar, it's, uh, it's a different, a different type of, different type of business. Right. So how so did you how did you that, break down that barrier when you when you approaching these people that knew you as conveyancer, Louisa, and you're like, hey, guess what? I've decided to become a mortgage broker. What like what was your what was? You know, I was persistent. I I told them what I knew. I told them I showed them stuff that I I had learned. I had pamphlets. I just you know constantly. I was persistent. Like it wouldn't. I was like a pit bull. Every week, there was three or four realtors that I had a very good relationship with when I was in conveyancing, and I just was on them. And every week, I would, you know, give them more product, or I would give them um, information. I would just throw a tidbit here. I would ask them for coffee. I would go for lunch. So it was just, you know, uh, they they just said that if I was this hard on them, getting them to, you know, meet with me, that they would send me over a deal. And you know what? Those were the four realtors that um, helped me out the first year, like I said in, earlier on in our interview. I, they were the ones that, you know, got me to meet my uh, salary that I was making as a commander. Right. And so basically it was that persist, that polite persistence that allowed you to kind of uh, bu- yes. build that bridge, that the, the yes. gap. Yeah. So I definitely got a lot of rejection. Um, and, you, you know, it's tough in this business to deal with rejection, uh, but there's a lot of it and we just have to uh, get past that and not take it personally. Right. When I think about that story, it doesn't, it almost doesn't sound like a failure though. It almost sounds like a success because the failure maybe was initially thinking, 
uh, that you were going to, people were just going to automatically assume, okay, she was a great conveyancer, she'd be a great mortgage broker. Yeah, and I felt I failed at that because I thought that I was right. I was good enough to, yeah, yeah, that kind of, it's a tough question. Right, so it is a failure, but you've solved it, and so you showed us the that's solution right. on top of it, so that's, that's even right. better. Okay, you get bonus points for that. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> so uh, one other thing I've noticed talking to successful brokers is they always have a system and a process, and um, they don't, it's not just random. And so they're also willing to tweak their process in order to get better results. So I'm going to ask you sort of about two parts. First part I'll ask about is administrative. So I know that you have, you, you're involved with the underwriters at Ziva. And um, so can you share an example of a specific sort of administrative process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like? And then what kind of an adjustment you made and what the outcome you got? Um, sure. So um, basically in the beginning of my career, I'll kind of start if that's okay, how I, how I got into the administrative side of it. Um, in the beginning of my career, I did everything myself. I wanted to learn as much as I could, and I realized I needed help, experience, and more knowledge of the industry. Um, I said to you earlier, I leaned on other mortgage brokers who gave me tips, one of them being to get help. I decided at that point to hire a dedicated underwriter who took care of all the back-end paperwork. That was where I struggled. I, I would get the business, and I loved dealing with the people, and I struggled with the back-end and learning all that all that paperwork. I'm not sure if you, you find that, but mm-hmm. most of us brokers seem to find that in the back-end paperwork. And then just dealing with the lenders all that time. You know, that I felt that I wasn't um, focusing on um, our, all that time. I was focusing on building my business and relationships instead of working in my business. So it was um, it was uh, really hard to make that that change. So what I did is we hired when I hired that underwriter, uh, we set a process in place where she took care of everything. All I had to do was go out and get the business. We set up a system where there was initial contact with the client from myself and her. There was, a, you know, there was initial contact with the lender so that all I had to do was go out and get the business. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but it, so the initial, what your process was, was you do everything. You're the chief cook and bottle washer. And then you're like, yeah. wait a second, I'd rather be out in the front of the restaurant, you know, getting more customers and I'll get someone to work in the kitchen and make sure everything. And so how do you, did you put processes in place to kind of supervise to make sure that, because obviously your reputation is on the line, regardless of whether you do it or your assistant does it, right? Right. We basically put in some systems that, you know, it, it, it didn't even know, that clients didn't even know that it wasn't coming from them. It was actually coming from me. So really, it was just some touch points that I put in, whether it was a little thank you note, whether it was a little email, whether it was a little card or something like that, that I was always in their space, mm-hmm. always, um, always in there. So, yeah. It seems to me like talking to people, the evolution of a mortgage broker goes from sort of, you know, do everything, get busy, hire an assistant, and then sort of as you can, you you can't get to certain scales without putting in a team in place. It's not, it becomes a team sport instead of an individual sport. Yes, that's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. It's definitely, it's definitely, and within the first three years, you know, I realized how valuable uh, having an underwriter and a team behind you has, it's the best thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. No, it's awesome. I encourage all new brokers to do the same. Right. You know, and everyone you've talked to, I'm sure that most of the successful brokers out there have dedicated underwriters or some sort of administrator. Yeah, they do. Most of the time, it's they're trying to spend their time on the, the, the things that they can't outsource. That's right. That's uh, right. So on the sales side, so obviously sales would be, I would say, obviously one of your strengths as well. And so successful brokers always have a sales process. It's not, again, they don't just show up and kind of go, so what can I help you with? And so can you share an example of a part of your sales process maybe that wasn't working as well as you'd like and then a, a kind of a, an adjustment that you made and what the outcome was? Yeah. One of the processes that I found, and you know, some brokers may 
say that it's that I'm wrong, but one of the processes I found that wasn't working for me was um, sending out newsletters. I found that clients just ended up deleting them off their emails or just throwing them away while they were mailed out for all us brokers that used to send them by snail mail. Um, I decided to change that process and I was more involved with advising my clients that when they did receive something from me, it meant that it was important that they should read it. Mm-hmm. I tried not to inundate my clients with you know too much information. So what I did for my touch points was I would send out treats throughout the year to keep my name and face in front of them. So treats meaning, you know, birthday cards, a scratchy, uh, a little promo. Um, So that when I did send out a rate sheet or information or market news, that they would read it. So, you know, honestly, that that really worked for me. And that's really what I changed, you know, in my business. And in the last, you know, five years, I've had, um, you know, lots of clients say that, you know, they don't get a lot of stuff from me. But when they do, they know that they should read it. Right. And so are you sending this out by mail or are you sending, is it email or how you, what's the mechanism you're using? You know what? It depends. I have a a really different type of clientele. Some like still mail and some by email. So I do a little bit of both. Mm Mm-hmm. Once a year, I will do like the um, their birthday cards or the scratchies. I'll definitely do by mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I won't do it by, I won't do their birthdays by email. Right. So you, and I always like to receive a card in the mail for my birthday. So I figure so would everybody else. Right, and a scratch and win. And they can obviously just take the money and put it against their mortgage if they win. That's yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Because that's what I've everybody would do. I've win $1,000 over the last 10 years. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so another area, that's a great uh, sales tip. So you got to figure out what works for you and then put, put together a that's process right. so that you're it's consistent. So have you missed any years of the birthday card? If I can be you know so bold no. as to say, have you missed any of the years? No, never. Yeah, that's awesome. No. Never miss the year. And, and so, I always make sure that when I do their birthdays, it's not just one one month of, you know, February birthdays and they all go at the same time. They actually go out a few days or to a week before their actual birthday. Right. Who And who does them for you? My assistant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You, you know, yeah. I, I still, as long as it's being done, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so another area that I've heard people talk a lot about is diversifying your income. And so there's a, there seems to be two camps forming in my mind. One that says, yes, you need to diversify, and another that says, no, you need to just focus on brokering. So which camp, which, sir, where do you fall? And if you are diversifying, what area are you focusing on? Uh, there's two areas, actually, that I've been focusing on more this year. Um, and one is selling a bit more mortgage insurance. And the bigger focus is on lenders that are providing trailer fees. I've really tried to... Um, focus a bit on those two. So that, yeah, that's like diversifying your income by basically taking less now so that you can get paid o- over the long term. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm just finding that the banks right now have, you know, their retention team seems to be really, really strong. And, and um, you know, I, you do have clients that will, after the five years will come to you, um, regardless of, of what rate they're getting at the, at the branch that's trying to retain them. But I find that, you know, I don't want to focus on trying to keep that business. Um, I want them to stay with me. And if they don't, I don't want to have to, to um, I don't want to say force them to stay with me, but I don't want to have to have them. I don't want to spend so much time on retaining that business. I want to be able to have more business and retain it. So I think that having the trailer fees is really going to help me with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's, I've been looking at that more too. And then, so yeah. I think it's a good, it's good long-term planning. Um, and how do you balance sort of, you got your business and your, and your family. So how do you run, running your practice and your family? I don't sleep. You don't sleep? <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
kidding. I'm totally kidding. You know what? I have a great support team at the office and at home. I have a husband uh, that's also in the industry, and we're able to work around each other's schedule, which allows us the flexibility to support the kids with what we have to do in our activities and, of course, our work life. I also let um, our clients know that family and home life is important to me, just as it is for them, and that I seldom schedule appointments on weekends and then try and work late evenings, one or two nights a week, so I have that flexibility so that I can keep everyone happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems like the the way to go. I mean, you still have to fit time in. If you you don't schedule, you know, your work can easily overcome your whole week, so it's good. Oh, and it can, and it can, and... You know, like I said, with husband having this, being in the same industry, sometimes you know work can just go into home. So we've made a pact that after a certain amount of or a certain time at six o'clock, we just don't talk about work anymore. It has to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife was a mortgage broker and was, still has a license, but not active right now. And so we've we've discussed you know periodically about possibly working together. But if if I do that, I will have to call you and get some tips because yes, oh yes, yes, it's uh, it's it's um. It's, it has its challenges, but it's definitely it's definitely really good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. So these you can answer with a little sure. shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I think knowledge. I find that um, there are a lot of brokers that aren't dedicated to learning the ins and outs of the business. I learned early that the top brokers in the industry attend anywhere between two and five conferences a year, and they're never satisfied and are always trying to improve themselves year after year. I just really think that more brokers need to have the knowledge of of, of our industry and, and what's out there. Right. And uh, are you guys, are you attending camp this year? Yes. Yeah, I think we're going to go too. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be, a real, it's, it's really good. I went to the last, last year's was really good. And, and the previous before that was Vancouver and I believe Montreal. I've attended, I've missed one. Mm-hmm. I've missed one over the last ten years. Oh wow, I have missed a lot more than that. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm back on the I'm on track now. Oh, good, good. So we'll see you there. So, what one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? Consistency, persistence, and probably the fact that I get emotionally attached to my clients. Right. Yeah, that's that's helped. That's helped a lot. I treat this as a full time job. I'm here from seven to seven, mm-hmm. and it's about the commitment I have to this life. Right. And do you have an internet resource, a software program you use to make your business more successful? I do. I have. I just started with the Verico broker base that they are offering to us, as well as I have my own database management called Salesforce. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. We've had that for quite a few years. You Salesforce? Salesforce, yeah. Yeah, I've I, I've used it in the past with a friend in one business. That oh, we have had. you? Yeah. And did you like it? It it's just it's so robust. You literally can do anything with it. It's a it's the you cr- can. like. It, you know, the, the trick is figuring out how to, you know, use the stuff you need and, and ignore That's right. Yeah. Have you guys That's been using right. it a long time? We have. We've been using it now, um, I think it's 10 years. Yeah. The first year that we, we, we got in, I got into the business, I started using it. You're one of the few people who actually set up a CRM at the beginning. Most people do it once they get busy and realize they made the mistake of not doing it. Well, I had some great, um, great brokers behind me, and you know, I followed their lead. Right, and you listened. I don't want to say it, but I'm a very good listener. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing. You listen. Most people don't. Um, I listen. If if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? I just finished reading Time Trap by Todd Duncan. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm actually going to his conference in a couple weeks. Oh yeah, I've seen that too online. Mm -hmm. It looks good. And so, where do you think our industry's headed? Where's the opportunity? Uh, where do I think it's headed? I feel the industry has made some changes over the last few years. 
it's made our jobs much more challenging. I think that there's going to be some more changes, which is going to make our jobs even more difficult. Um, what they are, I don't know. Call it a woman's intuition. I do think there's going to be some more changes. This is obviously my opinion, but I also feel today's newer brokers need to align themselves with teams and brokerages that can provide them with the help and guidance um, that they need to become successful brokers. We need we need as brokers to work as a team as well. That's something that I really feel strongly about, um, you know, and stand as a united front. There's enough business for all of us. Mm-hmm. I just think that uh, sometimes we're against each other, and I just really feel that uh, we need to stand together. Right, agreed. I, like our overall market mm-hmm. share is maybe 30%, and so uh, that means 7 out of 10 people are going to the bank so we're, we're going to right. we should be competing with head to head with the bank more than uh, than each other. Than each other, that's right. Let's stand together and 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 show you know people that are in this industry that we can you know bring up our, our percentage of the market share. I mean, we should be at fifty sixty percent right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So here's one of my favorite questions: It's the DeLorean. You remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes. And so I watched that the other day. It was it was awesome. And uh, so in that movie, there's the, the the time traveling car. And so if you could get in that car and you could pick one t- time to go back to, and it would be your first day as a mortgage broker. I'm sorry, you can't go back to like your prom night or anything. Um, yeah. And, and give yourself advice. And so you're giving yourself advice so that your business will be better today. So what three things would you say to yourself on your first day that you would uh, to, to to have a better business ten years today? I would have definitely, from the beginning, um, had a dedicated underwriting working for me right away. And I would have also told myself to um, support the trailer fee model much earlier than I'm doing now. Okay, so that's two. What would be the third thing? Oh, okay. I would align myself with like-minded people who wanted to succeed in the industry. So I would have, I would have tried to align myself with uh, um, top brokers that uh, I could follow what they were doing. Okay. I mean, I did for the most part, but I would have definitely started with that. Okay, so I'm not trying to do it myself. Get a dedicated underwriter, uh, support the trailer model so that you're building yourself a, you know, a revenue for the long term, and then really be intentional about aligning with people that are going to sort of help you grow your business. That's right. That's right. Right. Awesome. Well, I've really appreciated your time and your, this interview and, uh, I've, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm excited about what you guys are doing at Ziva. I think it's, it's groundbreaking in the sense that you're creating this sort of an awesome underwriting, uh, service for brokers and so that people can check you out. So where can people find you online? Um, they can find us online at, um, louisahuff.ca and www.ziva.ca. Ziva. And how do you spell Ziva? X-E-V-A. Okay, because I have always, I, I was spelling it wrong. And so if anybody else listening is listening to the, in the show notes at ilovemortgagebrokering.com, they can get links to Louise's website, to Ziva, and to anything else that we talked about. Uh, Louise, are you guys hiring right now? Yes, we are. Okay, so, and who should yes, they contact? So anybody out there looking, they can contact um, Trevor at 604, should I tell you the number? Yeah, if you want. I, I, I can put it on the site too. Oh, put it on the site. Yeah, I'll that's put, perfect. I'll put the site. So email Louisa or I'll put a phone number there if they want to chat with you guys. And so I, I appreciate the, I appreciate your time today and I hope you rock the rest of your year. Thank you. You too. Want to learn from the top five mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. If you enjoyed this interview, please take a minute, visit iTunes and rate this podcast. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next month. Okay, that's not true, but I would really appreciate it. Also, I want to invite you to join me on a quest. 
After every episode, I personally take five minutes and think about one thing or one idea I can use to improve my mortgage business. I encourage you to do the same. Over the next 12 months, I plan to do 100 interviews and make 100 improvements. I'm going to track these to see how they impact my business and more importantly, my bottom line. Visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com and post in the show notes what one thing you plan to do differently after listening to this interview and check out what other brokers are sharing. Also, if you'd like to connect with me, fire me an email at scott at robyourbank.com. I love hearing from passionate mortgage professionals who are interested in improving their business. Until next time, rock on.